Welcome to Emily Rose Meditations. I'm your host, Emily, and today we'll be engaging Julian of Norwich to help us recognize divine action in our lives. This is the 42nd chapter of Julian of Norwich's long text entitled Revelations of Divine Love. Take a deep breath, and wherever you are, let your shoulders relax, let your attention settle. And I invite you to open your heart to these words. Our Lord God wants us to have true understanding, and especially of three things which belong to our prayers. The first is through whom and how our prayers arise. He shows through whom when he says, I am the foundation. And he shows how through his goodness when he says, first, it is my will. The second thing is in what manner and how often we should be accustomed to pray, which is that our will should be joyfully transformed into the will of our Lord, rejoicing. And this is what he means when he says, I make you desire it. As for the third, it is that we should know the fruit and end of our prayers, that is, to be united with and like our Lord in every way. And for this purpose, and to this end, all this precious teaching was revealed. And he will help us, and we shall make what he says come to pass. Blessed may he be. For this is what our Lord wants, that both our prayers and our trust should be equally abundant. For if we do not trust as much as we pray, our prayers do not fully honor our Lord, and so we also hinder and harm ourselves. And I believe that the reason is this. We do not truly know that the Lord is the foundation from which our prayers arise, and neither do we know that this is given to us by the grace of his love. For if we knew this, it would make us confident that our Lord would give us everything we desire. For I am sure that no man asks for mercy and grace with true sincerity, unless mercy and grace have already been given to him. Sometimes it seems to us that we have prayed for a long time, and yet we think we have not received what we have asked for. But we should not let this sadden us, for I am sure, according to our Lord's purpose, that we should wait for a better time, for more grace or for a better gift. He wants us to have a true knowledge that he himself is being, and he wants our understanding to be rooted with all our might and all our willpower and all our thought in this knowledge. And on this foundation, he wants us to build our home and our dwelling place. And by his own gracious light, he wants us to understand the following things. The first is our noble and excellent creation. The second is our costly and precious redemption. The third, everything which he has made beneath us to be of use to us 
and which he sustains out of love for us. So this is what he means, as if he said, Behold and see that I have done all this before your prayers, and now you exist and you pray to me. And so he means that it befits us to know that the greatest deeds have been done, as Holy Church teaches. And in contemplating this with thanksgiving, we should pray for the deed which is now being done. That is, we pray that he should rule and guide us to his greater glory in this life and bring us to his bliss. And he has done everything to this end. So this is what he means. We must see that he is doing it and we must pray for it. One of these alone is not enough. For if we pray and do not see what he is doing, we become sad and full of doubts, which is not to God's glory. And if we see that he is doing it and do not pray, we are not doing what we owe him. And that must not happen. That is to say, it is not as God sees it. But for us to see that he is doing it and to pray for it, that is to his greater glory and to our advantage. It is God's will that we should pray for everything which he has ordained to be done, either specifically or in general. And it seems to me that the thanks and glory that we receive for this are beyond the understanding of any creature, for prayer is a true understanding of that fullness of joy which is to come with sure trust and great longing for it. Lack of the bliss for which we have been ordained by nature makes us long, and the true understanding and love with sweet thoughts of our Savior, by God's grace, make us trust. And our Lord watches us continually as we perform these two actions— They are what we owe him, and his goodness allows him to allot us no lesser duties. Then we are under an obligation to try as hard as possible. And when we have done so, we shall still think it is nothing. And indeed it is. But if we do the best we can and sincerely pray for mercy and grace, We shall find in him all that we lack. And this is what he means where he says, I am the foundation of your prayers. And so in this blessed statement with the showing, I saw how all our weakness and all our doubtful fears are fully overcome. What are the implications of the divine being the foundation from which our prayers arise. There are surely many implications, and perhaps a different set of them occur to you. What comes to mind for me is how intimate this assertion requires God to be in our lives. How, if the divine is the foundation from which our prayers arise— It means that the Holy Spirit is not so separable from us, from our thoughts, our desires, our very words and actions. 
it seems to even imply that the Holy Spirit is always active in everyone, that the divine has fingers weaving in every life that breathes. And so coming to deeper relationship with the divine is not about renouncing one's whole life path to this point, but perhaps about surrendering to the work that's already been done and being done in your life. When you sit quietly, can you imagine that the divine might be speaking to your heart, might be whispering to your soul? Thank you for joining me today. The peace of Christ be with you.